That's a great time, isn't it? Get to see each other and greet each other, and hopefully you got to uh, maybe introduce yourself to someone new here this morning. Uh, welcome, a visitor, or uh, a new face that you hadn't seen before. A couple of things as we transition into the message this morning. Um, a big praise, Kim Silver will be coming home tomorrow. Uh, yep. And uh, that, that, that is huge. Obviously, we are uh, fully aware, or many of us are fully aware of the miracle that's happened there and her recovery uh, from, from the brink of death, from the brink of death. So i uh, be praying for the McClay family. Uh, services were held for Kathy yesterday morning, and, and once again, Chad, and, and if you're out there somewhere, sorry we couldn't make it, brother. We uh, were hanging out in Tulsa uh, for a couple of days. And, and then the uh, family of Richard Hicks, uh, many of the old-timers uh, here at Grace would, uh, would, of course, remember Richard because he pastored this church uh, 25-plus years ago. Is that about right? Somewhere between 25 and 30 years ago. Boy, Cliff, that's, that's a long time, brother. Yeah. But Richard passed away, and uh, so be praying for his wife, Lynn, and any other uh, family members there. Praise. Uh, Wednesday night, I, I don't know how many have the opportunity to share in the Bible studies on Wednesday night, but uh, uh, Connie told me uh, this last Wednesday we, we fed over 40, uh, and then so there's many on top of that that attend the Bible studies that... Uh, that don't eat uh, the, the supper. And uh, guys, I want to encourage you. Take mom out for supper. Two bucks, guys. Two bucks. Come on, man. But what's that? And it's good food. That's right. You get a good meal for two bucks. Yeah. But uh, so, you know, 40 to 50 people here uh, fellowshipping and growing together in Christ on Wednesday evenings. Uh, so that's, uh, that's a big praise. So let's have a word of prayer, and we will uh, we'll move into this morning's message. Father, we thank you for the day, a beautiful day. Lord, we thank you for life. We thank you for hope. We thank you for peace and comfort and joy. And Father, those things are very, very important in difficult times. They're great on a daily basis, but when things are tough, man, we have something we can count on. We have someone we can count on. And thank you for being our faithful father. We lift up the Silver family and the McClay family and the Hicks family, Father, uh, from, from praises to, uh, to prayer needs. But even within those needs, there are praises because we know where they are because of their profession of faith in Christ. So death had no grip on either of those who have passed on. Thank you, Father, for the time of gathering, for your word that is so critical now have your way with us, Lord. Don't let me get in the way of what you want to do. And we'll give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning's message is the, uh, is the second half of our study on the gospel according to John. And we have just finished looking at the seven miracles that were recorded, recorded in John's gospel as a way of proving that Jesus is the Son of God. And now we're going to look at the seven I am statements in which Jesus proclaims by simply saying, I am, that he is not only the Son of God, but God, very God himself. More on that to come in just a moment. 
These statements proclaim the perfect, in perfect clarity the deity of Jesus Christ. And by the way, there is an eighth I am statement, and the eighth I am statement is not found in the Gospel of John. Would anyone care to venture and guess where it's found? Now, many of you know you're just scared to speak up. Revelation 1 and 8, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Jesus says, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Into our text this morning, Jesus has just miraculously fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish and had leftovers. He then miraculously walks on the stormy waters of the Sea of Galilee and joins his disciples in the boat, calms the storm, and the scripture says they were immediately transported to the other side. And you know, I think even in that, if I may pull just a little bit or stretch just a smidge, is a picture of death for the believer. When the storms of this old life is over and when our, when our time on earth is done and uh, uh, the last breath and heartbeat gives up in this old body, we will immediately arrive at the other side. Amen? immediately. So with that being said, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. We're going to be in John chapter 6, verses 22 through 40. And I read from the ESV version. Should be on the screen. There it is. Verse 22, John chapter 6. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do to do, be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Verse 32, Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven, for the bread of heaven uh, the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. 
For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, don't miss this folks, verse 40, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the life that it speaks into our lives and for the glory that your son will receive. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. We're going to have a bit of an unusual introduction this morning, but uh, I, I think it's interesting to note who makes up this crowd. Because if you read through the text carefully and look, you're going to find four different groups chasing after Jesus. And the first group that is introduced in our text, we're going to call the materialist. They are the give me more group. They're the, they're the consumers uh, in this mass of people. They are benefits driven, consumer mentality. And John 6, 26, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. You got your bellies full. You, you, you enjoyed the buffet I set out on the other side of the lake, and now all you want is more, 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 more. Give me more. The materialist. The second group we see in our crowd are the legalist. They're the I must do more group. So we have the give me more group, and now we have the do more group. They're works-driven. God will accept me on my own good merits. Just tell me what I need to do to do the works of God. And as soon as I know what to do and do the works of God, I'll be pleasing in God's sight. They're the legalist. They want to be saved by works. They want to be saved by works. John 6, 28, and they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? So we have the materialist, we have the legalist, and we have the sensationalist. You ever run across these folks? They're driven by emotion. They're just, they're, they're just high until something doesn't go right, and then they crash. They bottom out. And, and so these are the sensationalist group. They're the show-me-more group. Okay? Show me more. Emotionally driven. Now, listen, I'm not, I'm not condemning emotions. They're a gift from God. But don't let them direct your lives. Okay, don't follow your emotions in making life decisions. Just make me feel good. That's a, that's a sensationalist. Just make me feel good. Keep me excited. Entertain us one more time. When's the next show? You see this group here? You see them in this group? They're just following Jesus because they want to be entertained. They want to be, you know, made happy. You know, the Romans had a, 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 a system that followed that same pattern. That's where the Colosseum really came from and the games, uh, as horrible as they could be at times and as brutal, but the games that were held in the Colosseum. The Romans believed two things, if you feed, and they offered free bread when you walked in. So the Roman government believed if you feed the people and entertain them, they'll just be happy. They'll be happy. That's not the gospel message, folks. John 6, they said to him, then what a sign do you do? See, sensationalist. What sign do you do that we may see and believe you? 
What work do you perform? Our fathers ate man in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus, what are you going to do to match that? You see it? Basically, they say, what are you going to do that will match that miraculous thing that happened in the wilderness? The materialist, the legalist, sensationalist, and the eternalist. The eternalist. Christ must become more. He must become more. Give me more, do more, show me more, or Christ become more in my life. This is a satisfied group, the secure group, those who have trusted Christ alone for their salvation and hope and desire to know him more and nothing else. Again, from John 6, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I'm the bread of life. Your fathers ate the man in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat it and not die. Wow, I like that plan the best, don't you? I like that plan. So who is this Jesus? We've looked at the four categories or separate groups that are are pursuing Christ. They're all looking for something. They're looking for something in him or something he can do, but very few are seeking him. And that's why at the end of chapter 6, we would see, as it's recorded, a mass exodus of people they didn't really want what jesus came to provide they wanted these other things jesus will clearly present himself in chapter 8 again as the great i am he will tell the pharisees that even before abraham was i am and he will clearly clearly explain to them that he is not just a and i and i am got it and i am he is the i am then moses said to god if i come to the people we're in exodus 3 If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is your name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And Moses said, say, and, and, and he said, say to this people of Israel, I am has sent you. Do you see it? So when Christ takes that term, that, that name, and applies it to himself, what is he saying? I'm God. Pharisees don't like that. They will not like that at all. Look, they're already trying to kill him. They're already plotting to arrest him. They already wanted to stone him. And sooner or later, we know what's going to happen. The trial will come, and they will stir the crowd, and the crowd will say, nah, he don't match my expectations. Crucify Crucify So three preaching points. Considering the groups that are there, these are the three points that we can consider directly from the text. Jesus is a source of life, folks. When he announces himself, when he proclaims himself to to, to be the bread of life, 
He is, he is literally, literally taking that application as he's the source. What, what do we need to survive? Give us this day our daily bread. God, sustain us by the bread. And he would also include, if you eat the right bread and drink the right water, you'll never hunger or thirst. So we see from the text that he's a source of life. In the first verses that we read, it says the crowd that remained on the other side saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples. So just kind of moving along through the text, they, they decided to pursue him. And when they found him on the other side, first of all, they, they want to know how he got there, how he got there. Now, isn't it amazing that quite often, if you read through the stories of Christ, and, and I hope you do, you will find that he doesn't answer the question that was asked. He answers the question with an answer they need to hear, not necessarily to answer the question that they ask. So he says, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw the signs or because you ate your full, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. And then he tells, don't work for food that perishes, but for food that endures to eternal life. Guys, you spend a lot of time and a lot of energy crossing the Sea of Galilee to get where I am. And all you want is bread and fish when I can give you life? Wow. Folks, how often do we settle? How often do we settle for just the bread and fish when the master and the origin of life is standing there ready to say, I can give you everything that I am because I am the I am. He is the origin of life. He, he created life. All things were created by him and for him. And all things are sustained by him. But that's later in the preaching points. As to his essence, he is life. So apart from him, there can be no life. It's as simple as that. If he's the origin and the ultimate source from eternity past, he is life, life flowed and came through him, from him, then there cannot be life apart from him. You can walk, you can talk, your heart can beat, your brain can function, but without Christ, you're dead. Spiritually. Spiritually. John 1, 3, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Colossians 1, 17, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. That describes Jesus, the Son of God. Ephesians, in regard to our life and death, says that you were dead in your trespasses and sins, but God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. I don't need to add anything to that, nor should I try. Without Christ, one can never know their purpose for existing. 
You can never know your purpose for being. Oh, you can go through life. You can go through the motions. You can do this. You can do that. But you'll never really know your created purpose until you know your creator. Secondly, Jesus is the sustainer of life. He doesn't just give us life and then let go of us. Because I tell you what, we'll mess it up. He won't let go of us. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the man in the wilderness. He gave them bread from heaven. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread is he who comes down from heaven and gives what? Life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Do you see that? They're, they're, they're beginning to see something here. So, so don't just give us this bread now. We want a continual supply of this bread. Now, I don't know exactly what motives in that, and we won't have time to discuss it. But Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. So what's his answer? If you want the bread that will satisfy you forever, if you want the bread that will satisfy your deepest need, then you have to have me. You have to have me. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. No one can live long without food, physical food, but you can actually go probably a little longer without food than you can water. Now, I'm not here to, to give you a medical uh, uh, run on that, but uh, we need food and water to survive. Okay? Great famines are usually the result of great drought. Brothers and sisters, friends, America has been in a drought for years, and famine has set in. But it is not a drought of H2O or a famine of meat and vegetables. We find these words in Amos chapter 8, verse 11, Old Testament of the Minor Prophets. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Now, we understand there's an application to Israel in that text, but the principle is true throughout eternity. Christianity has declined to more of a social political organization. And by the grace and mercies of God, it will never happen at Grace Community Church in Overbrook, Kansas. We will hold fast to the Word of God. We will hold fast to the Son of God for our hope and our salvation. I'm here today to tell you by the authority of the Word of God that you need Jesus. And if you don't have him, you need him. He is the solution to the famine. The world is starving to death, and we as a church are the storehouse of life-giving nourishment. Folks, we got to love one another, and we got to love the lost. We got to love people. We got to care for them, not only for their daily needs, but their eternal destiny. The world is starving to death. 
I would say this, if Jesus is the bread of life, we are the bread basket. We are the ones who are to distribute to the hungry the word of Christ, the word of God. Our text tells us that Jesus is the manna that sustained the Hebrew nation in the wilderness wanderings. As the bread of life, he gives life-sustaining nourishment. As the bread of life, he has even, consider this, he was born in Bethlehem, which translates what? House of bread. (laughs) The city of Bethlehem literally is translated house of bread. But the manna was temporary. By the way, do you know what manna translates? Ever heard that one? If, If I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but I know a little bit enough. What is it? So if you wonder what manna is, what is it? That's it. Sorry, that's all I got for you. They didn't know what it was, but it kept them alive. It kept them alive. Manna. Manna came from heaven by God's abundant supply and his grace. Now Jesus said, I am the manna. I am the permanent, the ultimate manna that comes down from heaven to fix, uh, to, to, to take care of your deepest hunger. But he's also the water. If we look into the wilderness experience of the Hebrew nation, when they came out of bondage, they crossed the Red Sea, they wandered in the wilderness, and God provided. And the scripture says, not even the, their sandals wore out for 40 years of wandering in the desert. He gave them bread from heaven, and he also gave them water from the rock. Who was the rock? Jesus. Jesus. So we see all of this within the Old Testament example. Christ was the life-giving reason for the exodus of God's people out of Egypt, out of bondage, out of darkness. He was the cloud by day, the fire by night, the morning dew and the daily bread, the spring of living water, the well that will not run dry. That's our Jesus. That's our Jesus. And verse, seven, or verse 38 of chapter 7 says, Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So now we become the fountain of God's grace to communicate to a hurting world that there is hope. There is hope. And folks, understand this. Not just for eternity. That's great. Oh, that's really good. But now, now, in the midst of violence and conflict and war and and indescribable pain and suffering around the globe and here in this great nation, we have the message of hope, and his name will always be Jesus. Last point. Jesus is our satisfaction in life. He is the source of life, the sustainer of life, and our satisfaction in life. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up. On the last day, friends, I'm here to tell you, 
that the things of this world are fragile and temporary at best. They will diminish, they will fade, they will spoil, and they will pass away. All other sources that mankind leans on or trusts in will eventually dry up and die. But Jesus says this, come to me. Come to me. What a powerful invitation. Powerful. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Listen, you may be here today and the world has rejected you or someone in the world has rejected you. They've decided that you're no good. Jesus will never, ever, ever express that. Come to me and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. And don't be one of the two cups in the children's illustration. Don't think you get cleaned up on the outside just so you can be presentable to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he really don't care what your wardrobe looks like. He really doesn't. We put a lot of emphasis on outside attire, and there's nothing wrong with that. that that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's not a means of salvation. Okay, it's not a means of salvation. Wealth, fame, success will eventually fade and fall. Friends will let you down. You'll be disappointed. Yet hear the Savior's call, come to me. Come to me. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus says, come to me, all who labor, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. In a world of chaos, violence, uncertainty, hear the call of the Son of God this morning. He is our peace and our hope. He will give you life and keep you forever. There isn't a stock investment out there that can promise that, folks. Not one. And that last couple verses, if I may read in closing. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. Don't you hear echoes of John 3.16 in that? Everyone here today will probably go home and have a nice lunch. And that's a good thing. Thank the Lord for it. Thank him for his rich and abundant blessings. But after you have eaten that nice lunch, don't walk away hungry. Don't walk away hungry. 
even after you've eaten your fill. Come to Jesus. And he will fill you to the brim and overflow. He is the bread of life and the spring of living water. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for the time that we have shared in each other's lives for this moment. Thank you for the baptism we've had today, a celebration of that new life that we have, we have discussed here in our text. And thank you that for John Patchen and, and all others who have professed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, no matter how gloomy it may look and how weak we may be, you will never let go of us. You will never let go of us as we live out our lives in the grip of your grace. Thank you, Father, for the peace and hope that we have. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand for our time of invitation. Always priority one, if you have never accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, today would be the day you hear him say, come to me, come to me. And he will provide that life and that hope. He will fill you with a well that will never run dry because he will live out your life in you. If you need help in prayer, if you want some assistance, if you want encouragement, or you just want to come to the altar and pray, whatever your need is, I will tell you this very plainly. I can't meet it. I can't meet it, but I can take you to the one who can. He says, come to me. Let's sing.